1 Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Recovery. We are so very excited for this episode. This week we welcome another member of our Discord community, Elizabeth Mora, to the show. She is such a delight and Sarah and I had a wonderful time talking with her. She represents a different perspective, a different angle on the Recovery journey because... She started in a very progressive, liberal, almost one might say like barely Christian. And I don't mean that as an insult. I just mean it's a descriptor denomination that that I think a lot of folks that are in recovery maybe would have said to themselves, man, if I could have been in a denomination like that, maybe I would have stayed. And I appreciate that she offers a perspective that says maybe the grass isn't necessarily greener on that side. And but also shows that wherever we started our journey on, whether it was in a very conservative place, a very liberal place or a good place or or wherever, that we can still evolve and we can still grow and our perspective can still shift and it can be good. And even though we, you know, even though it can be painful it can still ultimately over time be good afterwards. And so I'm just incredibly grateful to have her as a part of our Discord community. If you're interested in that community, please uh, join us and check it out at patreon.com slash revcovery, R-E-V-C-O-V-E-R-Y. If you want to join that, uh, you want to meet folks like Elizabeth and all the other great folks that we have over there, uh, we'd love to have you. So without further ado, let's get to the interview. And don't forget to stick around for the quote or poem, whatever it is. Hello, friends. It is so good to be back with another episode that is, I'm so excited about this. This is people from our actual Discord channel. These are actual folks who have gone through this, who have experienced it, who, you know, we want to make sure that folks in the recovery room get to know each other and each other's stories because your stories are as important as maybe some folks that are a little bit more well-known. So today we have with us Elizabeth. And Elizabeth, we have a question for you that we ask everyone. And that question is, how long were you in? And how what long did you was I for? in? I <laughs> yeah, how long were you in? Because <laughs> I, I know this drill because I listen to you all the time. Yes, I <laughs> served uh, officially for 12 years. Okay. 12 years wow. in, and that consisted of one church right out of seminary where I volunteered for about a year. And then whoa, two, whoa, whoa. like back up, you came out of seminary and volunteered. Yes. Cause I didn't have a church for about a year. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I took, I took about a year to interview and find something and move and everything. So in that time I served for a year, I'll tell you more. My denomination is a little different. And then about five and a half years, five years at another one for a total of about 12 years. And I'm out. 12 years. And now you're out. Out. And you're like, out. out. (laughs) You hear the excitement. (laughs) I'm out. (laughs) Okay. So how, what was you don't have to say with denomination, but you and I chatted out, we're going to admit, which we often admit, is Elizabeth and I got on a little bit earlier, and so we just started chatting. And so I know that you, uh, your story is going to be great. And something that we really wanted to talk a little bit about is you came from a pro- progressive denomination. And a lot of times, people who are out, it's like they go through this process of going like, I can't be aligned with the things these churches believe mm. or what they stand for. Mm. But that's not your story at all. So do you mind nope. sharing yeah. a little bit about like, you know, what got you into ministry yeah, and then what maybe is, what got you? What is this out? like? <laughs> yeah. What yeah. Is this? Let me tell you about this strange world that I come from <laughs> that is progressive Christianity, which really is where, well, I officially started out as a Catholic. I grew up Catholic, but we were, as I call it, bad Catholics. We only really went on Christmas and Easter. My family members were better Catholics. But I thought so I was always good Catholics. Felt that I was not a good Catholic. Well, <laughs> yeah, you know, not to just pile on to Catholicism, but yes, my main memory of going to Catholic church was that the man up front was mad, and I wasn't exactly sure why, but it was at me because I had done something wrong. That was pretty much yeah, what that I sounds knew. about right. Yeah. I grew up, my family is predominantly Catholic, my mom's side, and there's beautiful, beautiful things about it, but there is a lot. Yes. I mean, the joke about ga- Catholic guilt is pretty- Catholic guilt pretty is early. real. Nice. Yes, yes. And the other thing that happened when I was young is that my grandmother was Baptist, totally different experience. So in the summer, I got to go to kids' church, which was totally fun. You went downstairs into a big- blue room and they read you stories and you played with puppets. And I liked God in that church. God did not seem to be mad at me, except when I was around seven years old and they told us the story of Noah's Ark. And I could still picture the picture in the booklet of people coming out of the water, screaming, dying. And all I could think was, you know, seven years old, what about the babies? It's not fair yeah. that all the babies got killed too. And then it's a real the pictures, heartfelt one. Yeah. yeah. And the dogs and the cats and stuff like that. Why, so the questioning why did we began teach this story to children. Like we shouldn't. No. 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 And put it in their nurseries. We put it no. in their nurseries. With yeah. pictures. With pictures. So, yeah. however, at least uh, I had a positive experience in a way from that. And I got lucky when I was in my teen years. My mom let me out of CCD. I was supposed to, you know, go ahead and go through. And I'm like, Mom, this is boring. I don't really believe in any of this. So, like, okay, let's stop going. So, in my family, there was a little bit of freedom already to begin with, which was unusual. And so we went into crystals and all sorts of stuff for a few years. And then, voila, I found unity. Oh, I just said it. Well, we're going to say it. New thought, denomination. That's fine. Unity, unless we. Uh, So, yeah. And gosh, it was wonderful because it it said the opposite of what I learned growing up, which is that I was a bad person. Unity tells you that you're born in original blessing, not original sin. 
So some, since I was 16, I had a really positive message. Uh, you might argue too positive as it goes along. It doesn't do a great job of addressing suffering, which is why later I became a Buddhist and I actually struggled whether to become a minister or a Buddhist leader of some sort. So wow. uh, yeah, so I was in the unity movement, which teaches you that God is good everywhere present and that that goodness is in you. It's the same thing. It's the truth of you. And that helped me so much with depression, family of origin, childhood trauma, things like that. And I am really grateful in a sense for that path that it took me on. I don't know if I would have gotten here without it, but I think now, spoiler, that there is a Another way that works, you know, hu humanism, positive secular humanism can do the same thing. And, and that's where I am now. And it was the unity teachings that changed my life, though, that I finally got really, again, positive psychology. When I, when I really can step back now and look at it, if I take away, if I strip away all the theology, most of the time I was preaching psychology. You know, I was just as likely, you know, to be talking about, you know, Byron Katie or to preach something on positive psychology, philosophy. So I was always a bit of an apologist without realizing that's what I was doing. And so you did that and you served and, you know, things were good and you were helping people feel good yeah. about themselves and that there's <laughs> blessing, that they're not the, the scourge of the earth. Yes. And yet it still wasn't enough to want to stay in it. No, there were problems. So the biggest problem was becoming a minister. God, what a mistake. You know, we're not supposed to have regrets. Oh, I don't regret anything because I wouldn't be here talking to you two if that hadn't happened. Yeah, no, bull, 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 bull. I have a few regrets in my life. My first marriage is not one of them. I actually am appreciative of my first husband, more appreciative of my second husband, <laughs> the current one. But I do regret going to seminary. I yeah. like, so, oh, you know, just in okay. case my ex-husband actually ever listens to this, like, hey, Dean, you're okay. But yeah, going <laughs> to seminary, freaking mistake. You know, one of the professors mm. before I went said in a class, in a, in a prereq class, if there is anything else in this world that you could possibly do, then be a minister, go and do it. And I laughed. Okay, why, why is that the speech? I got I that same speech. I thought he was joking. We you all did. Speech? Did you think it was real? Yeah. We all did. I thought they were joking. I, I thought it was a I felt like a dare. And I'm an yeah, Enneagram 7, so I was like, okay, fine. D you know, like, you want? I'll take you up on that. Like, and so, I thought he was joking. Yeah. Okay. It's like yeah, reverse. So it's this weird, like, kind of reverse psychology <laughs> thing, you know, like, where... It's like, yeah, I, I dare you can't do this. You shouldn't do this. You know? Yeah. You're you're not. But I was telling Elizabeth, actually, I was actually talking to my dad earlier. So I all day long was under my trailer working on some stuff, my Airstream. And I was telling my dad because it's at the stage where she's starting to like look like she could be something. You know, before it was just this like dented mess that nobody really understood. But now like it's up at the workshop where I work and a lot of people would come along and be like, man, this is an amazing project. Whereas before, like people would come around and be like, whoa, there was a tree in like, here. Yeah, there was like this. <laughs> wow, you're really going to try to fix this. But now people are like, wow, this is a super cool project. Right. So it's like this thing and like all this stuff is being fixed. And I was telling my dad 
Like I can finally see, begin to see the like where it's headed, but I've always had that. I've always had that thing. But one of the things that happened when I first got her is we were in on Dayton, Tennessee, and I was trying to figure out if I was going to buy or not. And we went to this uh, trailer expert, my friend who was selling it to me, my dad and this trailer expert. And that I always tell the story because this guy was an absolute jackass to me. And he was this incredible, he's like a very famous trailer, Airstream trailer restorer. And he says to my dad, I'm standing right there. He's like, how long do you give her? And my dad's interpretation was, how long do you give her until she finishes it? And my dad's like, I don't know, like a year. And he goes, I think it'll be less than that. He's like, for her to finish it? And the guy's like, no, I meant for her to quit. And my dad literally put his arm around me and goes, you son don't know my daughter. And he was like, you just, like you, nope, that's not who she is. And I think that's the talk, right? Like you can do anything else. You're like, you want me to do something else? That's it, I'm gonna finish this. And I'm not even like normally that stubborn, but I think, well, maybe I am always normally that stubborn. But right, Justin, it it kind of yeah. felt like a challenge. Yeah, it's like, yeah, this is this is the dare, or this is the like, we're we're gonna see what you're made of. You yeah, know? other people can't hack it. Maybe they do that in medical school. I feel like I've seen like medical <laughs> movies where they say the same like, thing. Well, it's it's funny because yeah. ministry picks up a lot of those things, but it's like, but you don't have the money or prestige, right, right. Uh, of a doctor. But it's still like that, like. This is going to be hard. This is a difficult yeah. thing. You can you know? do anything else. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Don't be a doctor. It's like, don't be a underpaid ministerial staff member. Yeah. Don't suffer and not have retirement, you know? Yeah. Uh, they don't tell you those yeah. parts for sure. So no. listen, you heard it. You heard it as a warning, which is what a normal healthy person would do. And I thought, oh, come on. This is clearly so wonderful. He, he has to be joking. Like, I, I, I really <laughs> thought he was being sarcastic. And he and I have talked about it since then. He's like, oh, my God, I wish I had known you thought I was being sarcastic. I would have really, <laughs> like, shaken it into you. And I couldn't have probably heard it, you know. Yeah. I uh, yeah, so bought the in. The glamour, you know, and I didn't come from a big church. The glamour of helping people to be the church Ooh, yeah. that's going to help mm -hmm. people live a better life, which is what I did, you know, in my, my early twenties yeah. were, they were really hard because I, it was, it was tough leaving my home. I had a, a tough childhood. And so I got through that and I got better and I attributed it a lot of that attributed a lot of it to unity, which again, I think it, it's really more good psychology, good therapy, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy and things like that were part of it. and. I want that for the world. So how could I do anything less than the coolest thing that is out there? Like at that time, I'm like, everybody in the world needs unity. It's so awesome and amazing. And you don't have to leave your own religion. We're the nice kind that lets you stay where you are and believe what you want. And 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 people I would say to me, Elizabeth, keep going. <laughs> and my friends would say, my one, my one niece said to us once, oh, unity, I know that. That's the religion where you can believe whatever you want. <laughs> and it is sort of the curse. <laughs> like the blessing and the curse, it's a big tent church. New thought in general, I should broaden it to just beyond that, you know, new thought progressive. Um, that You know, it can hold a lot more th thoughts. On the spectrum of like, from the like Southern Baptist Convention to like United <laughs> Church of Christ. 
Is Unity even on that spectrum? Okay, Unity's so it's further, it's further past Unity's the United Church of Christ. Got yeah, it. no, Unity's Keep like, Keep yeah, yeah Unity Keep goes like, I see, I see that, U- and Unitarian Universalist, <laughs> we're kind of just like, just yeah, you guys continuing. are really okay, close minded. Got it. Yeah, just just yes, wanting to exactly. make sure our audience like, is aware of where we're at. Okay, all y'all could yep. learn something from Unity, right? Like, hey, we, we'll show you Unitarians how to open up. <laughs> <laughs> You've been a little closed off. Unitarian Universalists, very closed minded. You don't need two U's, just one. <laughs> so we, uh, yeah, and, and that again is one of the blessings and the curses of, of unity. Like as a minister, there's very little hierarchy, which good thing, bad thing. Trust me. I mean, I've heard your stories and so many other stories about what what the you know the bishops and all your your fancy named people do and don't do for you. They don't exist in unity. So you're totally on your own, and each church is autonomous. And mm-hmm. we are we all fall under the five same five hundred one c three, but. And you don't have to, but most of us do. And that's about it. They, they can't come but in you and tell you. To. You don't have to. No, see, there you go. That's Elizabeth, just this it. is reminding me of. Here it is. You this is reminding me of. I took a yoga class one time. And <laughs> yeah, I took a yoga class one time in Laguna Beach. And the yoga instructor was just so zenned out. Just like, and she would say, hold this pose or don't. Or don't. <laughs> <laughs> Go into downward dog or don't. And that's what I feel like. Yeah. You're like, we're part of the same 5013C. Or not. Or not. <laughs> not. Just make your own if you want. Be be a for-profit church if you want. Whatever. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. Be part of unity. Or Look. don't. Oh my gosh, that should be unity's motto. Or don't. Or, or just don't. be part of unity. Or don't. Thank or don't. you. Marketing help right here. I'm going to pass that along. And, and like, that sounds so great, but also like having been in organizations that have like very low organizations, it's like, no, that's a nightmare, actually. That's a yeah. nightmare. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like and as far as churches that are doing well, it's at the yeah. bottom. Yeah. High yeah, bar, yeah. You can't raise rates. a lot of money if it's like, yeah, no. but you don't have to. Like, please give to the organization or don't. Or don't. It's whatever. Because you know what? We're Christian or not. Yeah. Ah, we're, yeah. And so, see? yeah, people don't give to mush. Like, that's. No. Yeah. yeah. And it's a tough one. Uh, the Christianity question alone is a tough one. So, when you talk about where we're on the spectrum, you know, ask any Unity person, you know, it's typical. Uh, you ask 10 Unity people, you get 11 definish, definitions of Unity. Mm-hmm. Same for could be said for a lot of things, including religions. And in unity in particular, yeah, you, I don't know if we're split 50, if they, because I, I don't identify anymore. Ooh, that's tough to say. They identify even 50-50. Half of them will set, tell you they're Christians. Half of them will tell you they're not. Mm-hmm. And really, you first have to define that word. Jesus, Lord, and Savior. Do I have to believe that? What is a Christian? There's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. So, so unity funny because includes it all. <laughs> as open as I am, I, it may, I'll just like total transparency it makes me uncomfortable I'm like well interesting well what is it like i even even as someone who is pretty open uh theistically is that a word did i just make up a word i feel like i, I did like that word. i think that's a word. Well, open theism okay. was a really popular term in like the late 90s early aughts mm. that makes sense that i'd still be holding on to it yeah that low cut jeans. It's, it's kind of, um, it's kind of like what process theology kind of became 
somewhat. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But I think like somewhat. I still there's like moments when I'm like, but you have to believe something. God and then is I'm good. like, why? Yeah. God is good everywhere present, except what is God? Or not. Uh, or not. <laughs> no, because God is nature. God is life. God is love. Mm-hmm. You know, we we are getting to be, and we can be as much like the Unitarians and even in Jew- Judaism. Do we use the word God? Right? Do we use the word God? And in the end, um, as I got into my deconstructing process, when we fast forward, that was a big one. And I've wrestled with that question since I got into unity. Is there a God? Is there a person? Is it a man? Is it a thing? And and here's how I found out. I said, dear God, tell me if you're true or not. <laughs> so like right Why there. Why you guys, Justin did the same thing. Yeah, I Dear did. Jesus, oh, yeah. are you real? Are you and he real? said, yeah. I'm a man. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> Not the man. Yeah, I'm just, just I'm in. Like, yeah, I well, so I I don't know if I've said it on this podcast. It was when we were on the Dirty Rotten Church Kids, and oh, yeah, I'll, I'll just tell the story. And yeah, it's I don't know this. So one. I like this was after I got out of ministry. I don't even know when this was. I wish I would have written it down. I just remember praying, and then it just kind of hit me. And I asked, I asked, I asked Jesus. I was like, "Are you just a guy?" Oh, that was it. And, a guy. That was it. And Jesus said yes. <laughs> Like, or at least what I assume is Jesus bouncing around in my noggin somewhere. Like the answer was a pretty definitive. Yeah, I'm just a guy. (laughs) Wow. So all of you listening, do with this what you will. But I heard it straight from the Lord that he's just a guy. Or not. Or not. So. So Elizabeth, you ask God. No, you're sounding like me. Yeah. Yeah, I ask God. And the answer that I got was the unitive experience. A lot of people have these. And I find out from in a lot of my reading, I'm not alone, that it happened driving a car on the expressway mm-hmm. is where mm. I got the answer. I just looked out. It was like on I-80 driving to Iowa. And I said, look at this. Roads and cars and fields and all of this. And everyone knows where they're going. <gasps> There must be a God. There was the only answer that I had for it was this proves God. I felt the immenseness and the allness and the oneness of everything. And I knew there was a God. Hmm. Then fast forward (laughs) to last year after I've left church and I'm sitting on my friend's deck in San Francisco, looking out at the mountains and I have the same experience. And I say, wow, look at this. This is amazing. And this mountain and that tree and those houses and those children and da, da, da. And it's perfect just the way that it is. And it makes sense just like this. And there doesn't need to be anything else. There doesn't have to be a God for it to make sense to me. And God was gone. Like in, in a sense, instantly. And of course, not didn't need it. And it was then an experiment. And like, let me test this thesis. Can I, can I live this way? So as we were joking about, you know, well, what is praying then? And I do occasionally quote unquote pray. And in a progressive church, you don't pray that typical way. Anyway, we mostly prayed affirmatively. You know, we would affirm what we knew was true, that I am hope healthy and whole and alive in spirit and da 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 instead of dear god make me well 
Mm-hmm. You know, no mm. begging, no supplication kind of thing. Well, not none, but we try it's like to. like hedging your bets prayers. There you go. That's that's a lot of prayers hedging we... your bets. Yes. I'll just be honest. Like yes. even the whole like, you know, God answers every prayer with yes, no, or wait. Exactly. Like, that's every possible answer. Yes. <laughs> like, God wins. God like, wins. Like that's like, uh, yeah. So... Yes. Um, yeah. Or so, I've heard it also that sometimes you just don't like the answer. Yeah. God mm-hmm. answers. I used to have a sign that said, "God, like prayer it. changes things." Sometimes it's me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not actually against that. Anyway. Yeah. So, no. Elizabeth, were you still in ministry when you had your driving moment, and were you still in ministry when you had your mountain moment? I, yeah, I had the driving moment when I was probably around 24, 25, like into unity, okay. had found it, was in, I believe this stuff, this is great, in and out for a bunch of years. In my 30s, when I got divorced, and that was really tough, that was the hardest thing I'd ever gone through in my life. And I came through it, but it was the hardest. And the unitive thing happened just two years ago, which is like a year out of church, out of ministry. So when I didn't know I was going to deconstruct. When I left church, I was just leaving a job. Like I was just leaving a career and a job that, sorry, sucked for me. It absolutely freaking ruined my life in some ways. I just got to say it. There's still, while I'm through it and I've processed and all that kind of stuff, like one of the stories that still wants to be told by me is how much it hurt. How I feel tears like coming up right now, like, oh God, it hurt a lot. And part of it is because I'm, I am a pretty sensitive, open person and trusting to begin with. Um, My husband, he does like, you know, listen and verify. And I'm like, totally jump in and believe and maybe later think about asking some questions. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That um, sounds like me. When I got towards the end, I'm like, okay, well, sheesh, I'm still obviously a unity person. And I may even still go to some church down the street. And then it was like, you know, I think... I still feel a little hurt by unity. So I think I'm, I'm just going to go to a church maybe than it was. <laughs> I'm enjoying Sunday brunch too much. I don't really need to go back to a church. Let's just do my own thing. Then it was mm-hmm. like, wait a minute. You know, these questions I've had about religion in general that I think really in total, it's negative an impact on the world. I'm just going to step back from religion. I'm going to be an SBNR spiritual but not religious and then it was i don't i don't know why but i thought you said Uh in espionage and i was like you became a spy that's what i heard i've been watching way too i've been sick for 14 days just watching way too much bbc i also heard that so i i kind of thought like we're like we're getting into the cia stint like wow that was a turn like <laughs> this would be fun. So, oh, if I yeah. were 20 years younger, maybe. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so if, yeah. It, those of you considering leaving ministry, espionage, espionage, spy, you know, espionage. you're, you're used to lying. There you I go. don't know. There you oh, go. oh gosh. I'm sorry. I mean, if you like, the, you know, the born cynical. identity and all yeah. those. Born like again identity. Oh, stop <laughs> it. Stop it, Sarah. Stop it. <laughs> Come on, Jack guys. Ryan. Nope. Oh my gosh. Jack Ryan. Oh, born again identity. Think about it. Like he's undercover minister. 
The sinister minister. This is going to be great. Yeah. No, so sorry. We're, sorry. we're hijacking. We're just, we're just going to make up stuff now. <laughs> so yeah, spiritual, but not religious, Spir- right? A- yep. And S-B-N-R. then that was too much. Yeah. S-B-N-R. Yeah. It was too much. Yeah. That was too much because you know what, gang? Spiritual has just become code for religious Oh. In a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Just yeah. think about it. And I would say the the nuns, you know, the I, N-O-N-E, don't want any religion. Ask them especially. I think they're like, well, be careful with that spiritual thing. Because that sometimes it's like churches that say, we're open and affirming, just as long as you don't act on it. Mm-hmm. Right. We welcome yeah. everybody. Welcoming. Just as long. Welcoming church. Just don't be gay. Or it's, or it's yeah. the, like the crunchy to alt-right pipeline where it's like. There you go. Yep. Yeah, we're spiritual, but not religious. And oh, chemtrails. Like, you're like, mm, <laughs> oh, okay, this okay. I didn't weird. realize there was a pipeline there. Yeah. There is a pipeline. I have a couple friends who've gone there and it's pretty shocking. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I, I am aware of that. So I'm even, I, I've even taken that word off, which boy, that leaves me with a lot of questions. Cause like mind, body, spirit, you know, is, is kind of a foundational thing. And then I'm like, okay, I understand my mind thinks and my body feels, and I'm really working on connecting those two things, you know, and then but that other thing, what is that other thing? Is that consciousness? Is that awareness? Is that mm-hmm. so? I, the question remains. So I just wish you would think deeply, that. Elizabeth. Is what I really wish. Oh. I just wish you would, you know, okay. think a little deeper. Oh my gosh, it's really <laughs> that's a joke. Guys. I'll work on um, something for the next time. Yeah, I, this is just so fascinating because I think this was the fear, and not that you experienced as a kid, but the fear was. From my Baptist friends, if you open the door at all, it's a slippery slope. Mm-hmm. And you're describing the slope yeah. as I'm going to use that word again, as a blessing mm-hmm. versus as a as a burden. Yeah. And I want to pop as that a bubble for a second. Like yeah. the slope's yes. a lot of fun, guys. Like, yes. <laughs> yes. And, Thank and, you. And, and not it, and not in the way and not in the like, oh, we get to sin more kind of way, but it just in the mm-hmm. like actually not sliding down the slope is keeping you from a lot of joy and happiness and fulfillment in life. Like I, yes, but, but I will say to Sarah, to your point, they do have a point. Like when you do open the door, you slide down the slope. (laughs) Like, yeah. And at least this is my experience. And I think Elizabeth, maybe this is your experience too. You don't get to really control where you land. If you remain intellectually mm-hmm. honest the entire time, mm-hmm. like, and, and there are some people that remain intellectually honest and they go from conservative Christian to progressive Christian. And that's as far as they go. Good for them. Mm-hmm. Like, and some people do kind of stop and hang out and they're happy being spiritual, but not religious. And that's as far as they go and good for mm-hmm. them, yep. you know? And there are people that just kind of slide right off the slope and uh, <laughs> atheism or whatever. That's and, me. and, and good for them. Like, I'm not, I, I don't put, but I, I do think once you start the journey, you really also are relinquishing a lot of control over the destination if you remain mm-hmm. honest through the whole process. And, and that's and, scary. And that's Super scary. Well that's very scary. But I, but I also think it's good because of what, yeah. what way to live other than honestly, really. Ooh, and I and think... on that, go ahead. we are going to hear more about Elizabeth's story because it, what she has to say and what she brings to this conversation is I think 
a bit of a missing component that we've had in this conversation. But we're going to take a quick break because we're getting better at doing that. We're going to hear from some of our sponsors. Um, go grab what I'm going to have to grab some water. You go grab whatever you need and uh, join us back or listen to these commercials. That would be helpful to us as well. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. All right, friends, welcome back from the break. Welcome to the bottom of the slide. Elizabeth, so you have come out of a church because it was a difficult place to be, but you had already started deconstructing in that space, but it was a safe enough space to do so. Exactly. Such a different experience than so many people on the podcast and on the um, Discord. And I want to add that for me, the slippery slope was really like, what do they call it? The slip and slide. <laughs> it was really like Whee! a slip and slide. It, and I was in a space where it was safe that a lot of people before me had already deconstructed in some way. Almost everyone that comes to unity started in some other religion that they ended up there that wasn't working for them. So they had decided that there wasn't um, an actual physical resurrection, you know, that it was explained in some other way that they didn't have to believe in the virgin birth to be comfortable in our space. So some of that metaphysical interpretation is really the bedrock of uh, a new thought church. They'd already gone there. So I could even bring that in. So when I'm preaching on Christmas, I'm allowing for a non-virgin birth scenario. For those that believe, that's fine. You don't believe it, that's fine too. Here's another way mm-hmm. that that can work. It and feels as I like got your sermons end, would be unnecessarily long just because you have to include <laughs> yeah, every like possible. It's like a choose-your-own-adventure like, like, sermon. And, and Jesus was born of a virgin. But you, you don't or have not. to believe or this not. part. If you don't, or really anything that I'm saying up here now, Like it just kind of feels like it would just make everything yeah. unnecessarily long and complicated. Like I, I understand nuance. I get it. <laughs> But there's a certain point where you're like, we've nuanced the hell out of this to the point where it's yes. like, I've literally, we've literally, said, the hell. We've, yeah, that's, that's, that's gone. That was gone a long time ago. Um, so now we're saying nothing. Uh, fun. <laughs> and, but you know, the positive part of like, oh, God. My question, I think, really is this, you know, Elizabeth, you kind of contacted originally because you're like, look, like, I came out of the like, the gold, right? I came out of yeah. what a lot of people wish yeah. yes. they could come out of. And I have that experience as yes. well. Like I come out of a denomination that was in some ways very supportive of me. And yet you're telling me that you're nearly in tears when you have to process what that actually felt like. Mm. And I want to I wanna sit there for a second because we're going to go, we want to do the whole like how, where have you ended up vocationally? What does that look like and feel like? Mm-hmm. But really like, you were preaching all these things about positive psychology and experiencing the opposite. Is that a fair read? <laughs> Boy, that sure is. And I've never thought of it that way. Right? Like you're yeah. telling everybody around you. And, and I, that's all my, good. 
that's my story is like, dude, like, you know, um, feeling like I was offering something to other people that I wasn't able to experience or receive myself. Yes. And then feeling quite like a failure for that, Mm. you know, so that imposter syndrome that many ministers and people go through of, gee, I'm doing all this positive thinking (laughs) and it's not working. And I remember the question in seminary that a professor asked, you know, when, what does it mean when prayer fails? Does it mean that you prayed wrong, that you failed, or Mm. that what you were asking for shouldn't have been asked for? Like, where do you go with why doesn't prayer work? Which is interesting because unity was involved in one of those famous prayer studies that gets quoted a lot where prayer quote unquote didn't work in the unity ah. prayer. Cause unity has a 24 hour, 365 days has been going over 125 years silent unity prayer ministry. Hmm. And uh, so th- that was part of this famous study where they prayed for people in the hospital post uh, post surgical and the people that weren't prayed for did a little better. Mm-hmm. And oh, shoot. <laughs> so yeah. that's yep. a fascinating study. And <laughs> I don't know about this. Yes. That as I unity. like need someone to pray for me as I cough. Yeah. Well, because yeah. they weren't really praying to the one true God. That's why. Oh, uh, <laughs> boom. <laughs> no, wow. that's a, it's a fascinating study, though, because the findings, the the conjecture of the findings, because they, they would need to do more research to really prove it. But the conjecture was that the people that were not prayed for and knew that they were not being prayed for, because there are a couple of different groups. I think there are people that knew they were being prayed for, people that were prayed for but didn't know, and you know a couple of different controls. But the people that knew they were not being prayed for tended to do better, and they think that one of the reasons was is that psychologically there was not a stress to produce a result that maybe wasn't going to happen in their health. Like they were able to just like, you know, okay, like I'm, I'm, I, I'm responsible for my own recovery. And so I'm going to do that. Whereas someone who's like, I know I'm being prayed for. This is part of a study to prove that God exists. Like, and it stressed them out and they got worse. Yeah. I can see that. That's interesting because I didn't know that they knew they were being prayed for for a study about God. But one I don't know. If, I don't know the particulars. That, I just they knew they were being yeah. prayed for. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that was the thing. That what about the, what's how was that presented them? We want you to know that we're praying for you, mm-hmm. and that maybe the mind says, "Wow, I must really be bad if they need to pray for me." So you know Possibly, how it yeah. is when you're evangelical uncle at you know christmas says i'll be praying for you it has a much different meaning yeah so what does that mean when someone prays for you could it be positive or negative so Mm -hmm. so yeah so either way the the study kind of more or less proved that uh, that prayer is yeah this is the conclusion neutral the role of awareness of prayer should be studied awareness of prayer should be studied further yeah Yes, exactly. And I don't know that it really has, has it? I don't know if they've gone back and but it just the, the study itself I yeah, was so, fascinating. And and the you and I yeah. and I was just interested and so I would talk about it's this from the John in, Templeton Foundation Funny. circles. I would talk about it and they'd be like, mm, can Justin, can you just not talk about this? Let's not talk about that. Yeah. yeah. So in my seminary, let's, we're like, bring yeah. it on, let's talk about it. We were involved. 
And we don't have any other, well, you know, we came up with some answers, but I, I hadn't really thought about how we sort of, in doing my job, <laughs> in the end, what was I saying? You know, that mm -hmm. in other religions, the easy part is you know what you believe. You're told what you believe pretty much. So you've got sort of a script that you can stay with. And the challenge then of a more liberal interpretation is you can bring in other things. And then I did find myself saying, what am I saying here? Uh, and how much that, am who's I Who's not had that existential dread mid-preaching? Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What am I saying here? Like in the middle of a sentence, did you ever have that? Like, I'm oh, not yeah. sure I believe what just came out of my mouth. Yes. All the time. <laughs> or, or what would happen is I would like even something as simple as like introducing Colossians, let's say. And I, I, sorry, I can't remember which. And I would say, and Paul's saying here. And I'm like, mm. did Paul really write this? Like, I just like, like you're mid sentence. Like, like yes. Mm, am I? And then I, I mean, I later on in my preaching, I would say like, now the writer of this letter is saying, you know, like, and, right. and I, a lot of evangelicals that would just go right over their heads. But it was just like exactly part of me was yes. like, this is like, there's, I, yeah, you just have those like moments where you're like, oh, maybe, maybe I'm not, I don't believe this, or I don't, I don't know. <laughs> and then if it comes to me. I, I would even sometimes then catch myself like the writer, as Paul says in Colossians, well, we don't actually know that Paul wrote. So my sermons could end up being like double long. Well, well let's stop and let's talk about the writers of the Bible, which I wanted to do every Sunday. Right. Yeah. Which explains like why it is in some ways easier to be an answers pastor. Yeah. Right. Like, yes, I think that. The break either comes when the answers no longer work. So people who come to our recovery room because they started questioning the answers they were saying, or the break comes like, then what am I saying? There, It's like there's all these different, but there comes a point where you want to be honest with yourself and others. Yes. And it's hard. Yeah. And like yeah. having that experience and then for you being in a situation that wasn't healthy or whole or, you know, and you're preaching about a, a, a faith should have you being healthy and whole. Yeah, I get it. And now the authentic. church itself was a toxic situation is by the sounds of it. And you don't have to give details, but it sounds like it was the community specifically that was difficult. Yeah. I would go beyond that. And I would say it is the system. Where have we heard that before? Mm. Yeah, it's really, I believe, a systemic problem because it's very similar to other people, not just my denomination. I mean, lots of people are writing about wounded ministers and pastors, and you know, there's a whole series on when sheep attack. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. um, how to uh, how to avoid a sheep attack, how to heal after a sheep attack. There's a reason for that um, because she, the and while it is they bite yes. Dude the church, the people, da, da, da. It's the system. It yeah. is, especially in my case, like the, the, the um, liberal church, the decentralized church, the, you know, the crazy thing is your board, you report to your board and your board reports to you. It's an impossible relationship. Yes. It's, it's Oof. just, it's like you look at it and I went back up, you just go, that is stupid. 
one of my UU friends and I joked that we were going to trade boards. Like, why doesn't your board review me and my board yeah. review you? Because then there's no personality. I haven't counseled any of your people. They don't look to me right. as their God substitute. La, 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 la. All the reasons mm-hmm. that these people, these well-meaning sometimes people, yeah. um, they they don't know how to ha- they don't know anything about running your business yeah. doing your it's as job. if you took all of your Yelp reviewers yeah. and said yes. okay now you're going to be the C level runners Bingo. of our yeah. organ and that's and you know that's the yeah. the thing that's yep. been interesting working in a corporate environment is recognizing oh I used to have to adjust so quickly <gasps> because the people that I was quote unquote were my customers were also in some ways my bosses. My boss. A little bit better in the Methodist system because we do have a step beyond that. But every year you get to decide whether you like me or not. It's not the same as Yelp reviews harm your business, but they don't necessarily then say, and you're no longer the CEO. And you're yeah. fired. Yeah. And it takes one unhealthy one. and charismatic person whether they're on the board side or the pastor side to just run the table. That's it. Yeah. You know, I called it the power of one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, it's a system that is just like ripe for abuse. Yes. And absolutely. And, and, and obviously like we've seen from like Southern Baptist convention, which is again, very congregational, very like, you know, yeah, the board and the pastor will figure it out. And and a lot of, a lot of denominations and, and even the United Methodist church, which is more structured, there's still a lot of places where someone can sneak in and just again, run the table and there's no one that can genuinely stop them. And, and again, you see time and time again, it's in the news all over the place. People are abusers and then, you know, they hopefully finally get caught and that's uh, a problem. And that's, that's only if they do something illegal. Like you can still right. do an awful lot of harm and not actually do anything illegal. Yes. yes. So you were or, in that situation. That's exactly it. And what makes the news is usually the opposite. How many news stories are there about boards that have gone rogue, nuts, and been inappropriate? Virtually none. Right. We've got one here, one church that maybe that, that happened. But anyway, so what we're used to hearing about is the minister. Right. Was the problem right, went on nuts? So when you start to have a problem in your church, I think the initial assumption is going to be it's you, it's yeah. me, mm-hmm. it's me. Yeah. And I know yeah. to this day, well, no, I don't know, but I to this day, I still, as I talked about that hurt, I think part of it is that I think how many of the people that I that are in my life really know what I went through or still think it was kind of me. And of course, mm-hmm. I have a part to play in it. It's not that. Did I, you know, make mistakes? Were the, do I look back on when I could have let go of some things? Absolutely. And yet it was just nasty. And I think the nastiness of it, there's that's the part that's still tender. Mm. Yeah. 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 And so you shared earlier when we were chatting, just the two of us, um, that you... And uh, also, Justin, you were there too. So the four of us, <laughs> three of us. I don't know who the fourth is. Um, the three of us, the Holy Spirit. The Holy, Spirit. Holy Spirit. Um, <laughs> that that you're you consider yourself a highly sensitive person, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. what I have experienced with highly sensitive people, and this may or may not be true. This is just an 
in my experience is that in general, they're pretty self-reflective in that they're going to assume they're the problem most <laughs> likely mm -hmm. uh, versus, so is that, you think that's, that's fair totally to say like, yeah. yeah, like I, oh yeah, yeah, I would have, oh, I would have yeah. thought it was me. Hi, I'm the problem. Right. Right. Yeah. Also, so then you bring in, yeah. Also an Enneagram nine. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Put together oh. an Enneagram nine. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that's, that's two doses of that. Two doses of that. So it will be, I, first I got to know who you are and what you need from me so that I can be that so that you can be happy. <laughs> that's the nine, mm -hmm. you know? Right. <laughs> you know, and then the highly sensitive person it, it, aspect of me really picks up on the cues. I, I take in more visual cues. My the, the processing part of my brain, it's not bigger. It's more active. Like this is brain science. That's the thing mm -hmm. I like, like people to know about highly sensitive person trait. It's not a defect. It's not a diagnosis. It's a trait. And it's a neurological trait, but it's not the same thing as neurodivergence. So it's right. really kind of in this class in its own because, you know, unlike autism where they aren't picking up the cues or able to respond to cues, we are hyper picking up on cues. We process more data. We reflect so much more. Right. Okay. Right. And so you had, what was, how did you figure out it was time? Oh, yes. Well... First, I had to take a medical leave of absence just to keep my sanity. I had to do that at both churches, which is, again, where you ask yourself, is this me? Like, why can't I, why can't I just handle this? That's, that's the refrain of an HSP throughout their life. I should just be able to toughen up and just handle this. And, but it, it just gets to your soul. And so second church same kind of thing. Like it just started to go nuts. And then they started to talk about cutting my salary because both churches are doing the typical decline. Right. And they can see you're getting to that point where you're going to have to pick the minister or the church. You're going to be able to fund one and you aren't going to be able to fund both. Hmm. And they almost always choose the church. And so they start talking about, well, what exactly are you doing during COVID? It isn't your job easier during COVID and la, 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 la. And so, yeah, so I, I come back and I'm all revved up. I've been on retreat. I've healed. I'm going to talk with them. And I say, you know, here's how I think we can move forward if we're, if we're really looking at these things. And one of the board members just loses it on me. Not the first, won't be, wouldn't have been the last. She said, you push every single one of my buttons. Oh, that is and like a nine nightmare. Yep. It's your like fault. Like an Enneagram nine nightmare is that exact sentence. It's that phrase. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You are totally responsible for what's happening to the other person. It is totally your fault. <laughs> my you response have, is like, right? are you sure? I bet I can find more. <laughs> that's Justin. <laughs> what again? Justin's like, hold my beer. Yeah, I'll find some more before this conversation's over. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so that on top of, oh, and then, so we brought in a consultant. We brought in a consultant, a dear friend of mine who, and it turned into, unfortunately, one of those things where everyone else gets to go around and tell you how awful you are. And you sit and you listen oh, to it for an hour. Um, most of my friends have gone through this, through the peacemaking process, which we used to call, you know, the, the horror making process in, in the back closets of the uh, Unity Church. The, oh, the peacekeeping team like did anything but make peace at, at, at church I was in 30 years ago. So anyway, she came in and talked with them and this and that. And and what would it take for you to continue working with Reverend Elizabeth? And, and this person's answer was something to the effect of, well, maybe if she and I went to therapy for a while. Stop it. <laughs> and that you look on your faces, folks. I wish you could see Justin's eyes just tripled in size. Uh, like, yeah. So, like, if we would go to therapy, if I would go to therapy with this board member. Okay. So, here's the thing I once went to therapy with a guy that I was dating. That is the reddest flag, guys. I, if you're like every, having every to time, go to therapy yeah. and you haven't even got to the point that you like, if, if we, <laughs> we should be in the honeymoon phase, but we're in <laughs> therapy, like, you shouldn't go to therapy with your coworkers. You, right. Am I wrong you on that? Go you to just don't therapy work with together. someone you're stuck with. Like that's like like not someone yeah. who you're like. Yeah, that's like, it. Right? We're dating. We have our own apartments. Like we yeah. could disentangle instantly. Let's go to therapy together. Like no, that doesn't. No, that's no. That's, that's like let's just call it a day. Exactly. Like, so what was your point, response to that? Because you're a people pleaser. Yeah. Well, at that point, I knew it was over. You yeah, know, and the other yeah. things that the people had said, like the the word had spread that the story was that I was not good at administration and management, and mm. the God, actual that's truth, yeah is like actually the opposite. I'm like freaking brilliant at that stuff. And the fact that that was then the story. And they oh, actually said hard. to me, they actually said to me, she said to me, you literally have no administrative abilities. I've never seen anything like it in my career. And maybe I could coach you. Oh, I don't know. Right? Oh, no. Like you can't she survive wants, in ministry without being able to do something. She wants I got to go to therapy COVID. with you, and she, and she wants to and coach, coach you. Me. Okay. And coach yeah. me. Sure. So sure, when Karen. I left, this is my favorite part: is when I left, and they. This asked is a job, me, guys. I need everyone to remember job. this is a job. This, this is, is a professional that, workplace. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yes, this is my supervisor supervising me. And then, so when they, um, another board member then said, if there was anything you did do administratively while you worked here, could you write that down for us? <sighs> so I sent him a list of like over 200 yeah, you did. different yeah, you did things and i've say i've shared it with everyone in my denomination and and beyond like here people show not that it, they're gonna get it but it's like yeah here's what the hell i did that you have no clue what i was mm -hmm. doing all day long so yeah so you left after that oh god best thing i ever did happiest day of my life i i gave so my you turn in the list of 200 things and then and then wait did you just say i i'm done yes Yes. Yeah. I, I Here's was... all the things I did. Good luck finding someone else to do them. Exactly. Deuces. Yeah. The last oh, church that I left, it. it's been like, I've been gone like, what, five years? I still don't have anybody. 
I'm not saying I'm dancing on anyone's grave. I am saying that here's the other little, every now and then you get lucky and, or you, you get, I want to say a blessing, you get something unexpected. And that is the, the happy PS to my story is my first church that ended very similarly, believe it or not, two of those people from that church have since apologized to me because they took over leadership and one of them became a minister and said, I had no idea what you were dealing with. I had no idea. And I was really hard on you. And this job is really hard and I'm sorry. And I have to say that really mattered. You know, I know it has to come from within, but I really honor those two women who honestly said that to me to make me not feel crazy. Because sometimes I felt crazy. Sometimes that's enough. Like, I'll take it. Just to not feel crazy or to not feel like, or even just like, because I think all of us have had those moments where, yeah, you go through that merry go round of, it's not my fault. Oh, it's all my fault. Oh, it's, you know, like, oh, they're right. Like, even though you know they're wrong, like, mm-hmm. oh, but mm-hmm. what if they're right? What if I'm not seeing something, you know? And it's just nice to be like, no, I wasn't crazy. No, I was right. And have like that confirmed externally. Or it wasn't all me. Or it wasn't all me. Yeah. Like, at least it wasn't all me. At least me. it wasn't, yes. you know? And that's yes. that's such a huge thing. And that's, you know, mm. if if you can get that, you don't get it very often, honestly, and which is sad. But when you do get it, like, yeah, cherish that for sure, because it. Yeah. It, it's what a lot of us need. I mean, I think half half the reason Sarah and I do this podcast is so that people can be like, I wasn't crazy. Like, yeah, or this isn't yeah. or I'm not the only one. Right. And, and that's, that's what, what people I, I mean, every week. At least three, four DMs that just say wow, I don't feel crazy anymore. Or I, for once, for once, I feel like it wasn't me. Yeah. You're just me. Uh, I think we can own our stuff and also say, this is like you said, it's the system. So you left after that, which is beautiful. Yeah. And yeah. now you're doing, you shared with me that you're kind of doing something similar to what uh, one of my <laughs> careers is. You want to share <laughs> a little bit about that? And then just even that you're open, you know, in this stage of, life like you're open to something even different can you share a little bit about where you're at with the next couple of minutes i'd love to or if there's anything you want to share with people that like because you're such a a a joyful presence elizabeth and i i just see it as like a lightness and i want to offer that to other folks who have been stuck in that place of like having to write down the 200 things that you do um (laughs) like where offer a little hope at the end of the at the end of the tunnel if you don't mind Yeah. yeah absolutely i I'm so passionate about what you all do. And I want to also thank you for that because really, I mean, um, you were such a port in the storm and it was not long after that I found out about you and really helped me realize I wasn't crazy, you know, gave me back a little sanity, felt compassion. There's nothing like feeling like you kind of found a tribe of people that get you. And so that was huge. And I want to be that however I can for other people. I'm on the discord. So please jump on the discord. I'm happy to give out my, my info. I don't have a full fledged running. I'm on Facebook, Elizabeth Mora, you know, catch up with me there. I do plan to start a sub stack 
newsletter one of these days and do something like that. I do have some passion to do that, whether it's with HSP or this. So really, I doing what we've just done for the last hour, I could do this every day, like just chat with people and process things and especially get the minister part of it. And for those that are in the question, like, oh, you know, you come out the other side, if there's any message, it's that you, you, you can come out the other side and be better for it. Absolutely. Do I, would I go through it again? Would I wish I could change it? Yes. And it's also made me a pretty dang interesting person at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not your typical cocktail party, you know, although I have to be careful, you know, not, not everybody wants to hear, you know, yeah. no. a little bit of yeah. this. You gotta, you gotta know the audience. I'm a, I had a turning point at work like a month or two ago where someone just kind of asked me what I used to do and I just said it and I didn't cringe internally. And I felt like that was a big, like, moment in some ways like oh like i like because i can talk about it now or not like i I don't have to talk about it uh, to people but just like what would you do before you're you know in this job i was like oh yeah i was a pastor for a lot many number of years and and it was but there wasn't that like oh what are they gonna think like it's just being able to know who you are afterwards it takes time folks It, it, it takes time but i Certainly, and I feel like I'm a step behind you, but I still cringe a little. And that, and you may always cringe. I mean, it just. I mean, I may cringe next week when I do it. Like I'm not. I'm just saying. Like th- this particular moment was like, I'm fine being like this is who I used to be, and even though there is there is there is a certain amount of embarrassment and regret, and but also good too. Like that's. I mean, we we talk about that too a lot of times. So like even even in the worst church experiences, my last experience, which just absolutely gutted me and left me burnt out, I still absolutely loved some of the people I was with, and I had a huge yes. impact in their life. And I and I have to, I have to hold both of those too, even though it was hard, it was impossible really. That's a great point. Thank you for reminding me of that. Um, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about the other stuff, and yet. There was such awesome stuff, you know, gosh, Mm. when you'd be on a roll in a sermon and it felt good, there was just nothing like that. Seeing somebody laugh or or cry or, you know, tell you that it mattered, you know, the occasional person that even thinks that you helped to save their life, you know, and for those wonderful people. So I hope some of them are listening someday to say, I I cherish some of those things and dinners with people. And Mm -hmm. I, I think... I really believed it could make a difference. It can, and it does at times. And for those moments there, I'm grateful. Yeah. Grateful. Well, we're really glad that you shared your story with us. It, it matters a lot. It is a, it's not a typical story. You know, there's not a, yeah, there's, there's not a lot of stories like yours. So thank you for sharing it. And I'm so grateful for you to say that you're willing to reach out. And the other part is, is like, like you told me earlier, like, the career you're in may not be your forever career, but it's a healing place. And you're, you're doing kind of the work that I do in that you're like, yeah. like, give a little bit about what you're doing. Yeah, that's right. I forgot to mention. Yeah, I feel really lucky that right now I have um, a great client because I hope he listens to this, but I have a great client that I'm working for. He's a, a communications workshop leader and executive consultant at C-Suite 
consultant and I'm supporting him. So I project manage for him part time. And I'm a little bit older than, than I think most people that are on the discord in that I'm 59. So I'm closer to retirement and not looking to launch like a full second, third career or anything. I'm looking to be as happy as I can making enough money to cover things and we're good. My husband and I prepared for this time of me taking off and now I've got just enough work, a lot of play. And I, I think that's going to be enough for me. And right. that's, it, it's a tough time. It's an interesting time to navigate. Um, when I thought that ministry was going to take me to retirement and it didn't. So now I'm feel, I'm making up the last few years a day at a time. And for now, I, um, I enjoy helping somebody else get their work done. It's enough. It's enough. So you're doing administration, you tell me. Yeah. Oh, that thing that <laughs> I wasn't very good Professional administrator. <laughs> what a joy you've been. Thank you so much for everyone for listening and for laughing with us. And if you hear anything today, may you know that you're not alone in this um, whatever it may look like, you are where you're supposed to be. Thank you again, guys. What a joy. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you're enjoying the conversations you hear on recovery, you can continue the conversation with us and many more incredible people in what's known as the recovery room on discord. To access our Discord, please join our Patreon to be a part of this community. You can join for as little as $4 a month, and that gives you access to the community resources as well as it helps us to be able to produce the show. Check it out on patreon.com slash revcovery. Now we know that not everyone is able to financially support the show, but there are so many ways you can support us, including giving us a five-star review wherever you are currently listening, and make sure to like and subscribe across all social media. Revcovery Room is on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And that's our handle. So come find us and let's keep the conversation going. On to some final thoughts and this week's poem. Hey, everybody. Thanks for sticking around uh, for this week's quote. I'm not even going to pretend it's a poem because it's definitely a quote. And I, as I was listening to Elizabeth's story and just thinking about all of the ways in which you're criticized as a pastor and sometimes criticized in ways that are deeply wounding because... You're criticized for the things that you're good at, and you're criticized for the things that you uh, know you're good at. Uh, and the, the thing is, sometimes those wounds can be especially deep. And so I have a little bit of wisdom from Elizabeth Gilbert, who's a bit of a patron saint of Revcovery. So I'm going to read a quote from her book, Big Magic. Uh, I will just say it's, you know, it's Elizabeth Gilbert, so be prepared. And, but I definitely enjoy this one. And sometimes I return to it time and again when I'm feeling like my creativity or my essence or my what I want to do in the world is being attacked. So here's the quote. Recognizing that people's reactions don't belong to you is the only sane way to create. If people enjoy what you've created, terrific. If people ignore what you've created, too bad. If people misunderstand what you've created, don't sweat it. And what if people absolutely hate what you've created? What if people attack you with savage vitriol and insult your intelligence and malign your motives and drag your good name through the mud? Just smile sweetly and suggest, as politely as you can, that they can go make their own fucking art and then stubbornly continue 
making yours. I love that quote <laughs> for many reasons, but I just want to say for those of us that are recovering from having our creativity, having the thing we loved questioned, insulted, just keep stubbornly making it however you can. However you choose to exist in the world now that you've moved beyond church, continue stubbornly making your life yours. And let those other people, all those critics, the people you left behind, let them make their own fucking art. It's not yours to do anymore. Their reactions don't belong to you. Go and be free. This week and every week to come. We'll see you next time. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, and if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know.